You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning, um, as you can see on the screen here, Paul, Paul's letters uh, to, or Paul's letter to the Colossians. And uh, we're starting a new series as, as a church. Uh, and we're going to be going through the book of Colossians. And uh, this series will also be discussed in the life groups that are taking, um, that take place uh, every couple of weeks. And so I do want to just encourage you to, to be connected um, in life groups because those times are just um, always really fruitful. Um, I know that many learn a lot of, a lot of great things, plus there's that fellowship aspect as well. And uh, it's life groups are not just a, a regurgitation of what is spoken on Sunday morning. It's it's other things are discussed um, on those nights. So it's it's really important uh, if you if you can to make time for for life groups as well as um, the Sunday morning times together. Um, yeah. So today we're going to look at the supremacy of Christ. And uh, so turn with me to Colossians 1, uh, 15 to 18. So Colossians 1, 15 to 18. And it'll be up on the screen there for you as well. And it reads this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. So when Paul was wrote to the church in Colossae, he was countering a clever company of false teachers who sought to replace the Colossians' enthusiastic devotion to Christ with only a mild approval of him. This is what was was taking place. They didn't encourage anyone to forget Jesus altogether, right? They just said he wasn't the only show in town. They they said things like Jesus could be prominent, but he certainly was not preeminent. And so Paul, who at the time was in prison, wrote to the church of Colossae to, to give thanks, to pray, and to encourage them for their faith. And, and I think this past week, you would have discussed some of that in, in your life group, just this encouraging them to keep going for the Lord because they were very enthusiastic about their faith. So he took time to encourage them in their faith. He took time to, to pray for them. But he also took time to teach them about the supremacy of Christ so that their faith would remain strong. We want our faith to remain strong. And I know even today, we're bombarded by so many different things and so many different thoughts and theories. And so it's important that we're regularly strengthened in our faith. And so he starts off by saying that Jesus is the image 
of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And so this word in the Greek had two components to the meaning. And the one tended to dominate the other, and really for good reason. So the first aspect was that of representation. So we're talking about image. So the first aspect was that of representation. The image represented and symbolized what the object pictured. So this usage often occurred in the context of an image um, on a coin or a statue or, say, a reflection in a mirror. Okay, so that was the first sort of aspect. The second aspect of image was that of manifestation. So here we go beyond that of a symbol to an actual presence of the object. So Jesus was the visible expression of God. Yeah? Jesus brought God into the human sphere of human understanding. And he, he manifested God. So you can see how the, the one representation sort of, um, there's two aspects to it, but the one certainly outweighs the other, which I think we could all appreciate this morning. It's kind of like this. And this illustration could somewhat break down, but I know what the Queen of England looks like, right? I see her on her, on our money. I have seen her on TV. I have seen pictures of her on, on the wall in various locations. All of this is, is her. I know for sure it's her, right? But there's a big difference between holding a coin with her face on it, right? and sitting down one-on-one -on -one with her. There's, there's a significant difference in those two situations. So in the same way, Jesus is not just a symbol of God, but he is God. So this is what, this is what is being taught to these early believers. In the beginning, right, was the word. The word was God. The word became flesh. And another scripture that will be up on the screen, Hebrews 1.3 puts it so beautifully. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And so I'm sure that most of us in this room, right, understand this reality that I'm talking about. Most of us are fairly mature in our faith and have probably read Colossians maybe more than I have, right? But there are still many today that, that see Jesus simply as a symbol of God, right? And this is where we have this great opportunity to declare that Jesus was not just a man, but that he is God. And that through this God-man, Jesus, all are invited into a relationship with the one who created all things. Each and every one of us is invited into this relationship where one will not simply know Jesus sort of just intellectually as a, as a good man with interesting teacher, teachings. How many times have we heard that in our society? He was a good man and he had some interesting te teachings. I'll take some, I'll leave some others, right? But where they will experience and encounter 
the manifest presence of God on earth today. That's what we want to see. That's what we want for our own lives, right? We don't want to just know Jesus like a picture on a coin, but we want one-on-one interaction with him. And we want others to also experience that one-on-one interaction with him, that manifest presence, because we know that's what truly changes and transforms a heart and life. And so, yes, there are, there are many shows in town, so to speak, right? Even now, there are many shows in town. But there is only one path that leads to the Father in heaven, right? And that's through Jesus, his son. And so we need to, as I said earlier, they, they, it was okay that the, that the, the early believers in Colossae were, were making Jesus, uh, maybe, they were trying to get them to make him prominent and not preeminent, right? And so for us as well, it's like we need to keep making Jesus above all in our lives, not simply a slight add-on in one's life. And that's what we want and my desire for all of you, and that's what I hope we desire for many others that we come into contact with. So Jesus is the exact representation of um, of God, or even as John 14 puts it, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And I know for me, my prayer is that 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 people would, when they come into contact with me, they would they would say, man, I've, I've come very close to Jesus. I don't know if any of you have ever, ever thought that. I know I've run into a few people and I've just thought, wow, there's, there's something about this guy. There's something about this girl that's on their life and, and you want to be around them, right? You want to just kind of be with them because there's something dynamic on their lives and it's the Lord and you know that they have spent just so much time with him and there's this, there's just this, reflection, this likeness that is just beautiful and you want to hang out with them. And that's my prayer in my own life, that I would, you know, keep sort of getting to that place in my life where people would be like, I just want to hang around with that guy. I don't really like him, but there's something cool about him. It's like the Lord or something, right? So um, so that's my prayer. Then, So then it goes on. So Jesus is his exact re- representation. Then it goes on to say that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, which I don't really want to take a lot of time on, but I do want to mention that this is not saying that Jesus was a created being, right? In John 1, 2, it says, he was with God in the beginning. So he's not a created being. He's been with God from the very beginning. So it's not this um, created being, or this idea of firstborn is not about being a created being. It's about he is first in position, Psalms 1, uh, sorry, Psalm 89:27 on the screen says, I will also appoint him, Jesus, right? My firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. In other words, Jesus is supreme. Nothing is above him. And again, in this early church, they were trying to say, yeah, you can have a little bit of Jesus, but but he's not everything. There's other things that you need to add on to, to, to your lives. And so this, this whole idea, again, Jesus is supreme, leads us to, to Paul's next thoughts, which are, for by him, all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. 
And then he mentions, as I, as I said earlier, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities. And in all of this is us. In all of this is you and me. So I don't want us to think more highly of ourselves than, I, than we ought. You know, Paul talks about that in, in Romans. But often we can minimize Christ in our lives, right? We can sometimes minimize who he is, that he is supreme. We can sometimes minimize him in our lives. See, these early believers were, were being bombarded by philosophies and different trains of thought. And so, as mentioned, they were being taught that Christ is supreme overall. Um, and that they didn't need to add anything and that they would always have enough in him. Now, I don't know about you, but I know sometimes I feel like I got to add things to my life. And in Christ, we don't have to do that. Everything we need is at our disposal, right? Everything that we need. But sometimes we try to add different things. But in all of this, in this learning about his supremacy and that they didn't need to add anything to their lives, they needed to trust this truth and walk how Christ had called them to live, which I believe is to do great things in his name. I really believe that God wants us to do great things. Now, in John 14, Jesus said this, right? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. And I love that scripture. I always, I often read it and think, how is that possible? But, but I do go, okay, this is your word. This is your truth. And I want to do great things because you did great things. And so, of course, it's by his grace, right? And through the work of the Holy Spirit. But he wants us to be great and do great things in him. Because I really believe that when our hearts are for him and we want to advance the kingdom, all glory is deflected to him anyways, right? If our hearts are pure in the sense of we want to glorify God with our lives and he's put desires in our hearts, he put them there. So it's okay, I believe, to do great things because when we do great things, we just deflect it to him anyways because he's the one that's been able to do that through our lives. And so a couple of years ago, I heard this story and I, I shared this story probably a couple of years ago, but I felt it was worth repeating. And so um, I'll read it in two seconds. It was about this, this guy and he was teaching a group of, um, prof a, a group of students on prophetic ministry. And he said, your job when speaking to others is to find the gold in the dirt. Again, a concept we've probably heard before. He said, it's easy to find the dirt in people's lives. Often they know the dirt, right? I mean, all of us can easily pick out all the stuff that is not, that we don't like about our lives, right? So he says, so find the gold. Find the greatness inside each person. So just at that moment, this other guy happened to walk in the room 
And, uh, and he said, I believe only God is great. Which I agree with that statement. I believe God is great. Yeah, right? And I believe, he says, that you're teaching them incorrect doctrine. What you're teaching could release arrogance. It could release pride. And so the teacher paused, then said, I believe the church has emasculated and castrated people in the name of humility, and it's killing us. And you've probably heard this quote before, humility isn't thinking less about yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. You know, Jesus didn't have a problem, you know, when, when the disciples were talking about greatness, he didn't necessarily rebuke them about wanting to be great. He just said, the greatest will, will serve, right? And Jesus showed us how to do that. But you can be great, but still serving as Christ wants to serve. And so he said, do you see that painting on the wall? Which there isn't one there, but imagine there is. He said, do you see that painting over, over there? And the guy said, yep. He said, pretend for a moment that you're the artist of that painting. So he says, okay. Then the teacher said, that is the stupidest painting, the ugliest painting I have seen. Yuck. What an ugly, disgusting, gross painting. Then the teacher said, did demeaning the painting glorify the artist? And the guy said, no. And then the teacher said, you didn't paint you. God was the artist and Jesus was the model and you're the painting. Every time you think bad about you, you're talking about the artist and the model. You're insulting the God who made you in his image and in his likeness. And then he said, you can't have a thought in your mind that demeans you and glorifies God. See, again, in this passage says, for by him, all things were created for him. And I, again, believe for him. We were created for him. And so I really believe it's important that, that we reflect him well by accepting that we are called to do great things, that we reflect him well. That doesn't mean that he's, you know, if we do something wrong, then he's going to be, you know, disappointed in us, but that we would do our very best to reflect him well. And we don't reflect him well when we just belittle and demean ourselves instead of saying, no, you know what? In him, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to find the things that that God has really strengthened me in, and I'm just going to go for it, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability for his kingdom to advance his causes. That's what I believe he wants us to do. The last thought from this passage for us today is, is this. It says, and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the, head of the body, the church. I think it goes without saying that we're, we're living in rather crazy times. Whether you're in the UK or heading back to Canada, there, there are, and then let's not forget about the United States of America. I mean, it's craziness there. No. Um, well, it is, but there's a lot of things that are going on in our world. And I would say there are pretty crazy times. And I think they're sort of scary times as well. If you think of them humanly speaking, some of what is taking place can be, can be really overwhelming. 
And to be honest, honest, if I, if I fixed my eyes on sort of the world and what's taking place, I, I personally would be freaking out a bit. I mean, there's a lot of things, especially in the education system right now in Canada that are just like mind boggling that they think some of the things they are wanting to do make sense. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And we're obviously moving back and it's like putting our kids back into that system and it's like, oh my goodness. But if I kept my eyes on, on that, I'd be potentially freaking out. But I know that, that God is bigger than all of that. And, um, and so I'm looking at his word. That's what I'm looking at. That's what we need to be focused on. And it tells us that in him, all things hold together. So he's got this sorted out, is what I choose to believe every single day. When things look messy, I go, he's got this sorted out. See, Jesus did not set the world in motion, right, and then check out. Very thankful for that, right? No, he's, he's fully engaged. Things may look messy, but he's fully engaged. But what we need to understand is that Yes, Jesus is keeping things in order, but he's not in control. He's in charge. Not in control, but he is in charge. See, if he was in control, we wouldn't be able to make our own decisions, right? And, and that is not how God set things up. We have a free will. It's like if I was a controlling father, that wouldn't work for my kids. So I give them choice. Now, sometimes I, because I'm in charge, I give two choices that I want to happen. I'm okay with either choice, right? So they feel empowered, but actually they're still doing what I hope to accomplish for them, so to speak. Again, that might break down to some degree, but I believe that God is not in control, but he is in charge. He gives us this free will. He's not forcing us to follow him and his ways. He wants us to choose that, right? If somebody says, you have to love me, and you're the one on the other end, and the other person is the one that is receiving that love, but it's forced, is that love? No, it's not, right? I mean, he wants us to choose to love him. In the same way, you know, so... Um, he wants us to choose, to choose to follow him. In the same way, um, you know, in some ways, I guess this, this can be really beautiful. In other ways, it can make for a chaotic world. Because again, right now, he holds all things together, but there are some chaotic moments taking place in our world. But I really believe that as Christians, we need to not be concerned. And maybe that's not the best word to use. You know, maybe it's worried or what's going to happen. Those are the different thoughts that go on. So as Christians, we need not to be concerned because, because God's in charge, right? And, and the end of the story has already been decided. In this book, we know that we win, right? And the enemy has been defeated. We know that. And so even though sometimes there's chaotic moments and we wonder what the heck is going on and how it's all going to come together, we know that we win and the enemy's defeated. We know that for sure. 
And we can walk in that confidence. Yet as a church, in the meantime, we have this responsibility to do our part in declaring the love of Christ. And I believe we do that really well when we walk in the greatness that he's called us to walk in. We are, as, as we've shared, we are image bearers of Christ, equipped with his authority, and we get to bring heaven to earth. That's what, that's what we get to do every single day. And so, yes, things are, are, are horrific and in moments, but the Bible says in Romans 12, and this is our, our last scripture up on the screen, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I'm not necessarily saying that in our chaotic world that we're living in right now, that these people are, you know, evil, right? That's, that's not my heart at all. That's not what I think. But there are a lot of things that are going on that, we, that don't necessarily make sense and certainly don't seem to line up with God's word. But we can know that, that he's in charge and that we don't have to fret or worry because we know that at the end we win. And so he calls us to, to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And it's not an easy mission at times, but this is our charge for us today, that we would overcome evil with good, that we would be a people that would, would, would really just take Christ to every single area that we go to each and every single day. That's what he's called us to do. And to remember that, that, that we need to make Christ the center, that we don't just sort of add him onto our day, but make him the focus of our day and keep him at the center. And so, in a world full of, full of options, in a world full of challenges, in a world that is lost trying to find its way, Let's not allow anything to sidetrack us, right? But let's first and foremost keep, keep Jesus above all in our lives and show others he is, he is the only show in town. Again, what we saw in this, this church, in this letter to the Colossians was, you know, Jesus is good for you, but 40% of Jesus, and you'll be okay, and then add some other things into that mix, and then you'll be complete. And what Paul was trying to say to them was that, no, you need 100% of Jesus. He is supreme in our lives, and, uh, and with him, you're going to be able to do great things. Let's stand together. Tom said he, he, he could have come down to uh, play some music afterwards, but um, I think I'll just let him chill with the youth, and we'll maybe go for an earlier coffee. I don't think I've ever spoken so short in my life, but that's okay. But, you know, the Lord's been speaking to us today about a lot of different things, about keeping going and surrendering to him and, and, uh, and just coming to him as we are and and, and even in, in this word about him being supreme, and he is, but I guess the question I have for us is, are you 
allowing him to be supreme in your life. I think maybe that's where, boil, where you know, the, the rubber hits the road. We can say, yeah, he's supreme, but if he's not supreme in our lives, then that's where the breakdown happens. And so I just, just in this room, just, again, no music, just the, the, that, this quiet space, just be asking the Lord this morning, are you supreme in my life? Are there any areas that I need to just surrender to you afresh this morning? It's one of those things that I don't think we need to go digging, so to speak, with a pickaxe and trying to like force something. But I do think that the Lord is able to, to just put something on your heart if he feels it's not in the right place. And then it's as simple as saying, God, I want to leave this place knowing that, that yes, you are supreme, but you're, I'm also desiring you to be supreme in my life. So let's just take a moment and, and just ask the Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.